1: Celebrate.
2: 20 minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast.
3: Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Thanks again for joining us today on the Saturday. My name is Dan Konick, and uh, one more time here on the Saturday. I know that we promised it last week. (laughs) So I, I swear this is the last time we have to hear <laughs> us three together. I, I, I swear. Don't worry, everybody. You don't need to turn it off right now. It's the last time. Um, it's me with uh, with my two guys that I've been with all draft month long. It's Paul Brettel and Mark Eckel uh, Gentlemen, how are you doing? Welcome back. And how is the weather out there?
4: I mean, up here in Green Bay, I would categorize it pretty similar to, similarly to the Packers draft. Unspectacular, but very solid. It's been sunny and 50s here, so we'll take it.
3: I like that. I think that's that's the new way we that's the new way we talk about weather now is we're, <laughs> we 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 uh, we relate it to like a player on the Packers or Packers news. It's uh, as long as you don't have Aaron Rodgers level. Yeah, I was going to say it's not right below right? 30 and <laughs> it's
4: not below 30 and snowing. So I guess in that regard, it's not the same. But <laughs> yeah, uh, Mark, how about you?
2: I'm going to, yeah, it's beautiful here. It's like the, it's like the Packers' first three picks. So I think it's <laughs> you know, great. It's been great. Um, Paul, I thought you were, I thought you were going to go with the Rogers stuff and say it was storming up in
4: here. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I've been trying to, I'm trying to stay on the positive side of things since.
2: I mean, we're, we're supposed, I, mean we're, I know we're supposed to, we're supposed to analyze the the Packers' two fifth-round picks today, Um. So this, I'm, you know, I'm tired. I'm I'm tired of reading about it now. I mean, now yeah. everything changes. And I'll say this: I trust A.J. A. Hawk, John Coon,
5: and James Jones. And
2: I'm I'm a writer. I was in this business thirty years. and I know a lot of the writers personally. Um, I was involved with in stuff with the Eagles, but I'll trust A. J. Hawk, John Coon, and James Jones more than anyone covering this story. That's all I'm going to say about that. Because they actually yeah, more than
3: Brett Favre,
2: Rogers. How about that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they've actually talked to the guy that everybody's talking
3: about, right?
2: When when John Kuhn says there's a 70 percent chance that Rogers is back, and some talking head on ESPN says there's a five percent chance, well, I'm going to go with Kuhn over the guy on ESPN. And you know when when AJ Hawk is asked point blank. Do I think Iron Rodgers – where do I think Iron Rodgers is going to play next – where do you think Iron Rodgers is, is going to play next year? And he says Green Bay? Well, I'll take A.J. Hawk over some guy on NFL Network. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. And, and they could – listen, the players could be wrong and all the, all the people could be right. But like I said, I, like I trust scouts when I, on the draft. I, I trust scouts and general managers more than I do, you know, the Mel Kuypers. That are, and I like Mel. But those people that do draft stuff, well, same thing. I'll trust – People that actually know Aaron and talk to him over guys just talking about him, and now we can talk about the fifth round picks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the stuff, the stuff that the whole uh, the whole football world should be talking about the Packers' fifth round picks, <laughs> the, game, the game changers. Well, I'm hoping um, that
2: you guys did one through four ahead of us, right? The other podcasters did this all week, right?
3: Right. Um, so we get, we're, we're, we're lucky. Yeah, (laughs) Um, so we got the the fifth-round picks here, like uh, like Mark said. Um, So that means that we are talking about pick 173 and pick 175. That is to Daryl Slayton from Florida, the defensive tackle, and uh, Shamir John Charles, the cornerback from Appalachian State. Uh, So fifth-round, guys, double-dipping on the defense again, uh, specifically at 175, double-dipping in the cornerback. A position, which is I think what we all kind of expected. I mean, really, uh, this is this is perfect for us because these are the two position groups that we got to break down earlier this month, and it really kind of played out exactly how we thought it that it might. That Brian Gutekunst probably wouldn't touch defensive tackle until day three at the earliest, if he did at all, and would probably double dip into the into the the cornerback position. So really, day five kind of fits our group perfectly, doesn't it? <laughs>
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: So uh, let's start with 173. Um, to Daryl Slayton, he's the one that I think out of these two really—I uh, don't know if like excites me as much, but I—I I, I think that he like out of out of these two guys, I'm more excited to see what he can do on uh, on in, on the field because. You know, the cornerback group there are there are already at least, you can guarantee, three people ahead of John Charles automatically and probably, you know, one or two more depending on how things kind of play out in camp and everything. But Slayton has a chance to be a guy that probably I mean, he's probably he's not gonna see stuff right away, but I think that his impact on the team can probably happen a little bit quicker than maybe a John Charles.
4: Absolutely. So if we go back to when we discussed the defensive line class as part of our podcast here for draft month, I said that I wanted a big nose tackle in the middle. This wasn't someone that I mentioned, however, he fits that skill set to a T. Uh, Slayton is a zero tech A gap run stuffer, which as I talked about previously, I think is a must for this defense. That's going to be an important role in this Joe Barry defense and it's going to allow them to move Kenny Clark around because prior to this selection Clark was really the only one that you could put at that nose position and fill that role well. Now they have some flexibility to move Clark around a little bit. If you can get Clark out on the edge in space uh, off of those double teams, it's scary to say, but he has the potential to make even more of an impact. And someone like Slayton, he's not going to fill the stat sheet by any means from a pressure standpoint or even a tackle standpoint. He's someone who occupies defenders. He takes up space, and his teammates, they feel the benefit of that. I already mentioned Kenny Clark, but that's also going to benefit the edge rushers, and that's going to benefit the linebackers as well. Now, I will say he's only has one, one year under his belt as a starter in 2020. He needs to improve his consistency, uh, work his repertoire for those secondary moves, Refine his technique but from a skill set standpoint and athleticism standpoint and and an, it's a day 3 pick as well so that you take that as it is it's a day 3 selection that's not someone that you expect to come in and make a huge impact right away by any means but he has that skill set the athleticism to grow into a role that's very important for this Packers defense
3: Mark what's your take on on uh on Slate like, when he first got picked I
2: liked it a lot I actually you know we talked about defensive in, in the interior defensive line, and we said it was the worst group in years. Uh, and we, you know, we went over that. I had the, I wrote about that for the, um, the, the Chiefs head uh, draft guide. And I had him, I had him higher than a lot of guys that went be, before him. I thought, as Paul was saying, he is, he is what he is. He's a big old run stopping, three mm-hmm. four nose tackle. So he's with the perfect team. Um, I had him as the top. I had him and the kid from from LSU, Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Pretty even as the best pure nose tackles for a, for a three four. Um, I didn't know if he'd still I, again. And like Paul said earlier as well, I didn't. We didn't. None, none of us wanted the Packers to go early on defensive tackle. They had other needs.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: None of them are, are. I didn't think any of them. Even the guys that went day two, I wouldn't have taken them. That, I mean, I just didn't want to. I'm glad that, I'm, the Packers. This is crazy. That they, they did everything. Like it's almost like. They listen to. Me. I mean, I, they never listen to me. I, I never get what I want out of the draft. I'm not saying they they draft it well. They've gotten some very good players that I didn't think of or or didn't think they'd be there. They did. I mean, I, I can't complain about what happens to this draft because they did. They got a corner, a, a wide receiver, and offensive lineman the first three picks. That's exactly what I wanted. First mm-hmm. round. That's probably the pick I like the least, but. Um, I out of mind. Another offensive lineman. Fine. I wanted a big defensive tackle in the fifth round. They got me, maybe the biggest. <laughs> he's a big boy yeah. now. He can be. You know, and he. And again, he's another. This draft, other than the next kid we're going to talk about, power conference, big time school, winning team. You know, he got. They got another SEC guy, Florida. You know, that's they went big this year. They went. They didn't mess around this year with, you know, you got Georgia, you got um, Ohio State, you got Clemson, you got – I mean, that's – it's like they went through the, the, you know, the the final poll of, of the college is, okay, we'll take one from there, one from there, one from there, you know. They they marked off all the top teams in, in the country. So I like – I do like this pick. And, I mean, not only can he maybe, like you said, don't move Clark around, well, but they'll also do, hopefully, maybe not right away, but hopefully by the end of the year, penny Clark p- plays too many snaps some games. Mm-hmm. Are, like we you know when that snap count comes out on, on on Mondays, and you see like Clark played like 80 percent, that's too much. He really he needs, and that'll keep him fresher, not only for the that game, but for the year. you know if 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 Clark can can shave 10 to 20 plays a game off his off his body. That's going to make him a lot better come week sixteen, or week eighteen now, even right. <laughs> um, and in the playoffs, hopefully, right. I mean, the, the less wear and tear on, on him during the season, the fresher he'll he'll be at the end of the season. So this guy can he can do do that as well. I look at him as a a step up from from the Lancaster, who listen, as mm-hmm. an the guy who's carved out a pretty good good niche for himself. But mm-hmm. this guy could. I mean, again, this was not a good defensive tackle draft. But like we said when we broke them down, there's going to be a guy, and let's hope it's it's this guy, Slayton. One of these guys is going to be better than everybody thinks, whether it's Slayton, Shelvin, Bobby Brown. One of them going to say, you know, in three years, we're going to look back and say, hey, that was a really good pick that so-and-so made in the fourth or fifth or sixth round, whenever wherever they got a guy. So, you know, let's he's in a good spot. The right team drafted him. Um, they, they play a scheme that should fit his skills. And you know, if he even if he's just out there on you know, he's going, like as suppose he's not going to be out there on on passing downs because he really gives you not, not much at all as a, as a pass rusher. He's not going to get a lot of sacks, but he's going to stop that. He's going to make it so second downs a passing down a lot of times. You know, so it's second and nine or third and third and eight, mm-hmm. and then you know, and then hopefully the next guy we talk about can help there.
4: <laughs> One other thing that I wanted to add because uh, Mark, you brought up. Uh, Slayton and Tyler Shelvin as your top two uh, nose yes. tackles. Was that correct? Yes. The one, one More, big,
5: pure, pure nose.
4: Pure nose, yep. The one big difference between those two is their athleticism. So we mentioned that uh, Slayton has a size 6'5", 340, and he was actually down, I think I saw, 25 pounds from the 2020 season at Florida. His RAS score was, I believe, 7.5. That's not exact. I don't have it in front of me, but that's the ballpark. Shelvin, on the other hand, he's six two, three fifty. His RAS was one point two eight. So you got a big body, but you go through and watch him. You read the pre-draft reports on him. Everyone notes his strength and the athleticism that he brings to the position at that size, which six five, three forty. That's that's pretty big.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it's big and it's scary. Like to have and that and that's you know like uh, exactly what Mark just said. You're kind of just really expecting him to be an, a a bit of an upgrade from a Lancaster, basically and it, 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 with the way that the depth of this position group was this year and where he's picked in the draft, he's not he's not expected to come in and be a game changer. and i I kept hearing that from my family the entire weekend is we need a guy to to pit with Kenny Clark. We need a guy to pit with Kenny Clark. You can't just say that and expect it to happen. Like, if there's not a guy like this in the draft to to fill that role, it's just not going to appear because you're expecting it to – because you need it to happen. The Packers needed to get a guy that could basically be a younger Snacks Harrison, a guy Mm -hmm. that's going to come in, be a big body, and take up 10 to 15 snaps from Kenny Clark and and not not get his lunch eaten every single time. You know, you just need him to be there in front of. You just need him to get in the way. That, that's the end of the day, and he'll get in the way with that size and that athleticism. And that, that's that's all you're hoping for is you, you've taken the lottery ticket and hoping that you've gotten the next Snacks Harrison. If he becomes just a slight upgrade over Lancaster, I think then the pick, the pick works out. It's it's a fifth round pick. You're not you're not expecting a lot out of that. So I, I yeah I, I think you know there's is it is it the best player to have. On the field, probably not. But I think it's the best that the Packers were going to be able to do with the way that the draft, the, the way the draft was this year, and the way everything is kind of played out. It, it fits, it fits the system, and it fits the role, and it fits just everyone. It's the perfect combination of everyone's everyone's fit together for, uh, for it to work out. So Slayton, that first round, or the first pick in the fifth round at one seventy three, uh, and Mark kind of go ahead, Mark. I was just
2: going to say, um. I know Paul, I, I always go to Paul for that athletic score thing and he's because he, he has, I think he did every player in the draft. Uh, but <laughs> with that athleticism, and I, and I, I you know, I'm, I said he's not going to give me anything on passing downs. Not right away, but with that kind of athleticism, combined with good coaching, and I mm-hmm. think the line coaches are, are pretty good. He may develop into, again, he's not going to be a 8-10 sack guy ever, I don't think, but he can develop into a Four or five sack guy, maybe, or or at least a guy that you know collapses the pocket and 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 gets a little pressure and then boom, here comes Gary for the sack or whatever. Um I'm going to use this name because this guy, I, I believe, he I don't know if he was drafted and then was cut and the
4: Packers picked him.
2: Could he be a quasi Gilbert Brown?
4: I mean, I hope so. Wow.
2: That, <laughs> no, no one, no one, talked yeah. Gilbert Brown when he was drafted. And no one when the Vikings yeah. cut. I mean. Who, who, who thought Gilbert Brown would be Gilbert Brown, right? When the Packers went mm-hmm. up, it was like, that oh, they picked up some big old, you know. Gilbert Brown turned into a and – that, and that was kind of his job on that defensive line was, mm-hmm. you know, Reggie White and Sean Jones, Santana Dotson, they were making the plays, but Gilbert was taking up, you know, a lot of room. And like you said, mm-hmm. he, he did more than getting away, but he took on a couple guys that made it easier for, you know, Reggie and Santana and
5: Sean Jones.
4: I think that's a really good point about the athleticism and then the upside that that brings as as a pass rusher. This year at Florida, his one year as a starter, he still had three sacks. He had 18, 19 pressures. So like I said, that's not uh, an overwhelming amount. or he That part of his game at this point in his career isn't going to leap off the screen to you consistently. But it's not like he can't. He doesn't have that potential either, and I think that Mark made a great point there uh, with that upside that he brings as a pass rusher because he's shown in flashes that he already can do it. So with some refinement, some NFL coaching, I think that that is absolutely in place. So while we describe him right now as uh, a run stuffer, basically a space eater, that doesn't mean that he can't grow into a larger role. So I mean, let's get him a black visor, some elbow pads, and a neck roll, and <laughs> just
5: throw him out there.
4: <laughs> I mean, let's, let's put it this way too: if he had, if he had had
2: Eight sacks and a bunch of pressures at mm-hmm. floor He wouldn't have been there at pick 173. He'd have been around, you know? So that's, there's a reason he, he felt it. That was the problem with this group of defensive linemen, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. There really wasn't a complete, there were some guys that were, that had a little bit of pad, but but they, but they weren't big enough that, you know, they were, they people didn't think, by NFL standards, they weren't big enough to play inside. Then there was a lot of guys like, like Slayton, um, Shelvin that you know they were big run stuffers, but they didn't show a lot of pass rush. So you, you know, this is where the scouts looking ahead, and then your coaching staff de- developing guys. Like I said, one of these guys, I'm I, I will I would bet whatever you want to bet me on it. One of these guys taken in the fourth or fifth round is going to turn out in, in three.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed.
2: is going to be like, "Wow, that guy, what a good pick that was, and let's just hope it's it's
4: it's
5: this guy yeah. and I think
4: a part of the reason too he is on day three is because, like you said, it's that one dimensional teams aren't going to or i should i should say teams shouldn't be spending top 100 premium draft picks on non non uh defensive linemen who aren't effective as pass rushers as well
2: and that's not the way to play the game today the right nope. so but the Packers Packers have a guy like that. In, in Kingsley Kiki, he's your, right. you know, if you could put those two together and split time up a little bit, you, you know, that's it's, it's our, it's our thing. If, if he takes some snaps from some early down snaps off of Kiki's plate, that makes him even more, you know, more more effective on passing downs and, and later in the game and all that. You know, so overall, I, I thought it was a real, one of many good picks the Packers made in this draft.
6: C rules banking services provided by MVB bank incorporated member FDIC maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
3: I, I think it just goes back to, it just goes back to fit, you know? And I think that, that that's so it's I'm going a soapbox here for the hot second, but it just, it, it goes into so much. It plays such a big factor into how a lot of these players turn out. Slayton, if he's put into this situation where he's not being expected to be, you know, to play outside of his his role right away, and can develop, and maybe he becomes, you know, he becomes a little bit more productive in the, you know, in the run game, and then he's developing more, he becomes a a great pick. But if he goes to a different situation, like what you guys are saying, where he, you know he's he's being placed outside of his his skill set, then it doesn't work out as well, and it's seen as a as a bust pick, and so you know when people talk about well we could have done this this and this and had these 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 it doesn't it doesn't always work out like that sometimes it's about finding guys that fit your situation and are going to develop into that rather than just getting the guy that turned out good over here and why didn't you just do this it it it's that's what makes it so this is that this is the part that makes it so uh in depth when it comes to drafting, you can't just, it's not Madden where you get to pick and plug, you know, different players into the middle. Sometimes it takes finding a Slaton like this that you hope can fit into the, into the right situation and develop into, into something more. It, it's, it's a lot more than that. Um, I think kind of, uh, kind of relates to our second guy here in the fifth round too, just two picks later at 175, Shamar John Charles, uh, the quarterback out of Appalachian state, um, the fifth-year senior, an older, a bit of an older guy. He's uh, he's a little undersized. Definitely doesn't fit kind of that that profile of of what the Packers are. But I think it's another one where they're hoping that kind of um, kind of the, the skill set will develop, and he's going to get put into the to the right situation and maybe develop into into something a little bit more. But uh, Paul, just your first opinions on John Charles.
4: Yeah. So there was a really good article by uh, Zach Cruz over at Packers Wire out on Friday where. Uh, there was a quote from Brian Gudikins, and Goody basically said that throughout the, as the fifth round was unfolding and the Packers were waiting and waiting his several of his scouts kept poking him saying, "Gene Charles is still there. Jean Charles is still there. This is a guy that the scouts really, really wanted. And I think that says a lot about him that you have a number of the scouts in the war room with Goody and Lafleur and everyone else just Almost, you know, as they as they say, you know, pounding their fists on the table for this guy. Mm-hmm. And he really goes against, from a, a, an athletic standpoint, a size standpoint, what the Green Bay Packer, Packers typically covet. Like you said, Dan, he's 5'10", so a little on the shorter side from what they typically look for at cornerback. His relative athletic score was around five or even a little below, and five's average. And typically when you're on day three, that's especially where you see teams really stick to those athletic traits because at this point you know you're getting a raw prospect, but you want that athletic upside. So in that regard, he really uh, bucks the trend, goes against the grain for them. But like I said, he's someone that the scouts are pounding the table for. He's a two-year starter, had a particularly really good 2020 season, uh, only allowed a completion percentage of 33%, and had 17 pass breakups. 17, that's a lot, folks. Uh, he was primarily a boundary corner at Appalachian State, but from the sounds of it, he's going to come in and uh, compete. That might not be right away, again. He's a day three pick for that slot role with Chandon Sullivan, whether it's this year or down or down the road. But he's someone that I I really like because of the upside, and he brings that he brings a physical uh, approach to the cornerback position. And they needed to address the, in, the the slot position for the long haul. Like I said, not necessarily this year. And a big part that he can contribute right away in his special teams. Over at the Draft Network, they called him a special teams ace. He's someone who from day one will hopefully help rejuvenate, revitalize this uh, very, very, very struggling, I'll say <laughs> to put it nicely, Packers special teams unit.
3: Yeah, we hope so. Uh, Mark, what do you think about him? Now, Paul, you, you you
2: know I compliment you often on on your stories on yep.
3: the <laughs> hundred place that you work for.
2: you buried the lead on this one. And that's what he is. He's a, he's gonna he's gonna be a special teams guy. Yep. That's what he's gonna come in and help with. And let's 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 be honest. Packers need help on special teams, big time. Firing the coach was one thing. I mean, but you still I don't, you know the coach doesn't deserve all the blame. They had some bad special teams players last couple of years, especially you know. We, we, we talked about it all during the year. You know, you, know, you, you got scared sometimes on, on punts and kickoffs and stuff, you know. So I think this guy's going to come in right away and be I don't, an ace. That's a great word. If, if he's one of the better guys on special teams, that that's going to be a good thing. They took another guy later on. I don't want to steal some of the podcast down the road, but the kid from Boston College is going to be mm-hmm. on special teams as well. So I, that, that was a focus for this, for, for the, the Packers scouts in front of us. Go get some guys. That's what happens a lot of times. You draft guys. I I mean three years of of covering. You know, you draft guys, you know, linebackers and quarters. That's usually the the core of your special team safeties. But you draft guys that were stars in college who never really did much special team stuff. And then you ask them to go out and play special teams. They're like, okay, but that's how they make the team, right? So they're Mm back. But but they really don't have a a lot of – even though they're good athletes and they're good players, maybe they they become – they're not used to it they are learning how to play special teams on 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 the job this guy apparently played special teams and was very good at he's going to be a good i mean that's what he's going to come in and be as far as it, i mean i'm 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 his, i'm surprised he had such a low athletic thing i mean that doesn't i don't like that but um yeah, i don't know about him ever being <sighs> helpful and i don't know i mean that size and and speed doesn't add up to a um a great corner. I mean, I got. He's he's smart. He's instinctive. App State. I mean, it's not Florida, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, obviously. But you know, I I hear my believe it or not, there's a lot of people from App State that live in Myrtle Beach now. Uh, people that went to App State, so I hear a lot about App State, and they're always they're always competitive on their level.
5: Mm-hmm. I
2: and mean, Coastal beat him this this year because Coastal was was really good. But um, that's a good football program. So he is coming. It's a smaller program, but it's a good program. Um. So I mean, I think he'll be. The, I think he'll always be like your fourth or fifth corner kind of guy. If he has to play, you know, he probably can. He won't kill you, hopefully, but he'll be a specialty. He'll be one of your. Top. I'm trying to think. The Packers had a guy like him years ago. I forgot. I can't remember who it was. Now that he was really good on special teams, but whenever they had to put him in a game, you kind of said, "Oh, Chris Bando." <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, was, I was gonna say safety. Yeah, he, him too. But there was another corner. Um, God, it'll, it'll 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 come to me as we as we talk more. Maybe let me get my Packer media guide out. Uh,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> now that you guys take over for now. Yeah, like, yeah.
3: I just I, ima- I imagine Mark having every Packer yeah, media guide much. since uh, since the 1980s at his. I have I from
2: Eagle media guide. From the 1980s. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I, have, I just wanted
5: a lot of them now, but.
4: I just wanted to reemphasize what Mark was saying about the special teams because he mentioned Gene Charles and McDuffie. Mm
5: -hmm. Uh,
4: Amari Rodgers, he has ample punt and kick return experience. Eric Stokes as well, he was a standout special team there at Georgia. So that was definitely an area of emphasis in this draft, not only contributing, you know, hopefully contributing to the obvious offensive and defensive side of the ball, but what can they do on special teams right away? Because like Mark said, like we all know, this team needs a serious turnaround. And honestly, it, correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe they did, but they're fortunate that they didn't lose any games last right. year because of that.
5: I mean, we, we
2: talk about it every week, Paul, when, when, when we were, you know, doing like preview game preview. Yeah, game. right. Well, yeah, the offense should be able to score, and the defense they should be able to do a pretty good job. On well, the special teams, I don't know what's going to happen there. And, <laughs> and they, they allowed two punt returns for touchdowns. Now, like, luckily, they were against the worst team in the yep. league, right. which yeah. made that game much closer than it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then against the Eagles who were one of the worst teams in the in the league and again made that game. I mean that game was over and all of a sudden they make right. a big pump back. Now you're like, oh Jesus And then Aaron Jones breaks the long run and put it out. But I mean those games shouldn't have been I shouldn't have had to have been worried about those those games, but special teams allowed them, you know, force forced them to do that.
5: I mean that's just not good.
4: <laughs> but when your initial thought is just kick it off through the end zone. Just don't right, even right. feel the
3: punt. Do just it. Kick, <laughs> out <of bounds>. just <laughs> kick
4: it out of bounds. Just punt it out of bounds. <laughs> you, you you know you're in a tough spot.
3: <laughs> yeah. Am, am I mistaken because brought up losing? Bush. Not losing. Bush. Oh, right. yeah. Man, <laughs> if he claimed that, I wouldn't be upset with that.
2: Right. I mean, I, there was a guy that, you know, he was your fourth or fifth quarter, but very good on special teams. Right. Mm-hmm. That's who this guy is. See, the Packers drafted – Somebody that was some like they they drafted Sam Shields, then they got Corey Lindsley, then they got Randall Cobb. I don't know who the guy. I don't know who that fourth round pick is.
3: Slayton <laughs> uh, Gilbert Brown, and now they got. <laughs> there you go.
4: The rebuild the dream team.
3: There you go. Was the. The Colts game this past year, that was a f- MVS's fumble was on offense, right? No. Yes. Yeah,
4: okay. but Shep, was it Shepard or okay. Taylor had a fumble on yeah. a kickoff. Right.
3: Okay, that that's what it was. For some, yeah. I was trying and to. That was, led
4: to seven points, so that that's why I right. hesitated as, as I was saying it because I was right. thinking about that as it was coming out.
3: <laughs> well, all of those, all of those different, uh, all of the different. Uh, Special teams traumas just kind of run into right one <laughs> into one big long one this past the I mean not even this past year but yeah just the full year and that's what that's what people you know the 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 regular fan I don't know if they I don't want to say doesn't get but it's it's kind of you know you kind of have to play you can't just draft the guys that are gonna start every single year. You know, you can't just draft guys that are going to play in the st- the, the the first 22. You know, you have to the the last. Th- they always talk about that last third of the roster, like churning the last third of the roster to get guys in there. Just get bodies that can compete and be competitive and, and do what you need. Special teams is never going to change. The issues are never going to change no matter who you put back in there as coach. It d- it does not matter unless you guys unless you have the guys that are going to go back there and can execute. And and do what the coaches are telling them to, and, and can actually and play up to that level, then it's never going to change. And so you know, picks like this, while well, you know you may be, you you'll you may never see Gene Charles make an interception or, or make you know a game-saving tackle. I, I can guarantee that at least this year you're going to see Gene Charles making making some kind of an impact at least. On, on special teams, hopefully it's a little bit more more of a positive one than, than in recent years. I have,
4: a, I have a quick question for you, Mark. Yeah.
3: I don't really have the answer to this,
4: but what do you think just – because it's gone year after year, different players, different coaches, but what do you think is at the core of the special teams issues? The only reason I can maybe think of is – and I don't even know if this is a good one, but because the roster is so top-heavy, when you think about the contracts that they have, the first-round picks that they're relying more on – Back end of the roster guys, which I know is kind of common, but I mean, do you have any sort of guess of what the long term issue it might be?
2: Well, again, and I'm not there, so I don't know, but like I know from covering the Eagles for, for years, and Eagles were they were terrible, they were terrible for years and years, um, and then they hired Harbaugh as their special teams coach, and they, they also spent a lot of. I'll give Andy Reid some some credit here. They spent during Andy Reid's years as Eagles head coach. They spent more practice time on special teams than any other coach I, I was around. Mm-hmm. Um, Chip Kelly did as well, uh, but he just followed, so he just kind of did what they were doing maybe. But, um, I mean, Andy had special team practices some days, where like, like during camp and when it was like two, two practices a day or even during the season some days, but it would just be special. Like the other guys were off. And it would just be the you know the guys on special teams out practicing. So he devoted. So that's part of it. I don't know what the Packers do that. I don't know how much time uh, per day they devote to special teams. And then you need guys like again. I I I got to compare it to the Eagles. That's who I covered. They had a guy Ike Reese, who was a backup linebacker and not a bad backup linebacker. He and he started when somebody got hurt. He was like your fourth or fifth guy, but he was a great special teams player. And he didn't he 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 understood that and kind of wore that. Like, okay, yeah, I'm the – our special teams are one of the best in the league and I'm the best guy on our special team. So, and, you know, he talked about He was – you know, now he's – it's funny. Now he's the drive time radio host in Philly. Um, But, I mean, he – you know, you need guys that – most guys on special teams want to become starters and then get off special teams. But you need a couple guys that just know their role and no, this is, all right, I'm going to make, a, I'm going to play in the league 10 years. I'm going to be a great, you know, like the guy, the Bills always have guys like, like that, it seems. You know, uh, Tasker was one of them, right? I mean, they know their role. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the best special teams player in the league. That's what I'm going to be. I know I'm, I'm like, if, if you're this kid from App State, right, Um John Charles, you know, you're, you're never going to be ahead of Alexander and Stokes and probably somebody, probably a couple other guys as well. So he has to take that attitude, like, all right, I'm going to be a great special teams player. I'm going to and I'm going to make this 31st ranked special teams into the top 10. And 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 I, because special teams is an attitude. I mean, every NFL player can tackle. They can all run. They can all. That's all. I mean, that's what special teams is about. But you got to have that. Met, it's it's a mental game on on special teams. You can't be out there thinking, "Well, oh, I'm on special teams and I came. I, I want to be playing. I'm on." No, you got to take it as like I like, like like I mentioned. I like agree. Saying no we have the best special teams in the in the league and I'm the reason why.
5: Mhm.
4: Yeah. That makes perfect sense.
3: Yeah, and I mean it's a little bit more insight into the special team cuz I look I've said it I've said it before on this podcast a couple of times and I'll say it again uh mainly cuz I think it's a funny joke and it gets a little shock value. Uh <laughs> I, when I when I look at special teams I I look at it like pornography. And and the way the way that I mean that is I want to hear
5: that
3: I I, I don't know uh, Mark you probably you probably know this a little bit I I took I took yeah. journalism classes and you know that's that that's the uh, the famous like ruling for the classification of of pornography you, you, there's no real definition for it but when I see it I know what I know what it is and bad special teams I can't tell you why or how. But I know it when I see it, and that's about as far deep as into into, into special teams as I can get. I didn't I so. didn't know
4: where we we're gonna end up
3: with how that yeah, started, was. But that was
4: that was well done. I'll give you that.
3: That was, was, was my favorite. It's my favorite. My favorite. My favorite sports analogy. Um, yeah, like and that. But but you're exactly right. Is it? It just it takes that. It takes those guys, and it's a very it's a very fluid. It's more fluid than you know. Um, than offense and defense really, because the, the, there you have plays you can tell guys run this route block this guy. Special teams though, it's it's fluid it's it's in the it's in the it's in the process of happening. Like you just have to read and react, and it, and it takes um it takes players like like these guys here that we've been we've been talking about. I love that we we were talking about the, these two guys, and we've we've spent probably close to almost ten minutes just talking about special teams. But I think that it fits because. That, that's where that's where a lot of these guys will have will have that biggest impact. Um, probably more Jane Charles than than uh, than Slayton. But um, so as we kind of wrap up here, guys.
2: To what Paul was asking, yeah. about, why teams are why special teams are bad or some some are better than others. Part of it too is what makes an offensive line good is the same five guys playing it week after mm-hmm. week, staying together, right. uh, continuity, right. Same with special teams. If you're switching guys in and out every week, mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. If you can find, if you can identify right from the beginning of the year, right in you know, right when, when camp breaks and, and you're ready to start, these are my 11 guys that are going to be on the punt team.
5: Mm-hmm. These
2: are my 11 guys that are going to be on the kickoff team. And then you kind of stay with them for most of the year. Again, injuries are going to force things to happen. That's that's on offense and defense as well. But if you can keep that same core unit together, I think you'll have a much better success rate on, on, on special teams as well, because again, continuity is important and knowing that, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, if, 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 if uh, John Charles is always out there and and he knows he's next to um, Turner, the the wide receiver, right. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's going to do. He knows what what he's going to do. They're going to, you know, they know each other. Now, if you're switching guys in and out, you don't know each other. And and just like an offensive line being together and knowing, you know Bakhtiari knows what Jenkins is going to do and Jenkins knew what Lindsey was going to do and they, it all works together it's the same kind of concept there as well
3: yeah makes sense um so guys as we as we kind of we wrap up our looking at these two fifth round picks um just final final thoughts on the on the the picks here just kind of the draft i mean we we've we've said it before uh, all of us have said it here Multiple times, even even today, that this is this is a this is exactly how we kind of wanted the draft to play out in the fifth round. You know, you're basically taking stabs at uh, at p- potential prospects or you know guys that you think could maybe fit a specific role or, or do a specific thing. Um, so, just the overall the overall take on on the fifth round anything that we've kind of left out, Mark.
2: I think we covered it all.
3: Um, yeah.
2: like Slayton, I thought again as the draft unfolded. I don't think there was a better player, not just, you know, for that position, but I mean, he was probably the best player available. I hate using that cliche term, but he was one of the highest ranked players still on the board, I believe, when they took him. Again, I wasn't, I was following it kind of close at that point, but not, not as close as I did the first couple of rounds. But I thought that was a good pick. I'm like, wow, well, okay, he's still there. They got him. I don't know who else was still around. But, um, Gene Carles, I'll be honest, I wasn't, um, I didn't do as much homework on him because I didn't, you know, I didn't have him as one of the top corners or anything. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think if there's somebody else that they, they could have taken. But again, when I heard more about him, my first thought was what we said, you know, they want some special teams guys. Cause their first other than Rogers as a return guy, I don't think, I mean, Stokes, I think, Stokes, I think Stokes might be starting by week two. So I don't think they're going to have him on special teams a lot. I like you. I love Stokes. Um, the center is not going to be on special teams. The um, so offensive, I mean, so no, yeah. They it was, when they went into day three, I think their little meeting that morning before the draft started was, hey, it's time that we help the offense, we help the defense. Now let's help some. Now let's get some help for for, for special teams. Mm-hmm. And, and they did. I think the running back that they took late might be. You, you, you might see him on doing some special
4: teams work. Paul. Uh, f- for me, I'll take a little broader approach because approach, I think we hit on the big points with these two. I, I was a big fan of this draft. Like I said, when we first started this episode, it, it wasn't flashy by any means, but for what the Green Bay Packers needed, and I think that gets overlooked when you listen to the national media and all that stuff and everyone who has their opinions on the draft, but for what the Green Bay Packers needed, They checked just about all those boxes. Two cornerbacks, uh, as we've talked about, uh, and hopefully what plays out is an infusion of talent on special teams. A true nose tackle, linebacker depth, running back three, a wide receiver who fits, who's really tailor-made for this Matt Lafleur offense and that slot gadget role. I mean, if we had, before the draft, discussed our three, four, five biggest needs on this team, Offensive line depth, too. I don't know how I forgot that one. But if we would have discussed our three, four, five biggest needs on this team, they checked those boxes. So I was a big fan for just addressing those needs. If There's immediate impact players, but also moves that were made to plan for the future. So all around, like I said, it's not flashy by any means, but for what the Green Bay Packers needed, I thought that they did a did an excellent job.
3: Yeah, i got to say on both of those, I, I think they – they hit every, they hit everything right like like you Paul like he said at the beginning accurately described the the draft not sitting up not super sexy and flashy but decent decent enough they did they did everything basically they needed to do in this draft didn't blow socks off but um did what they need to and I think in the 5th round here these two guys uh fall into that narrative very easily especially in the in the being day 3 guys um, more day 3 guys to break down tomorrow Mike Gage and Matt are going to take a look at the 6th and 7th round picks of the Green Bay Packers um, so make sure you check it out that tomorrow. Check us out every single day as we jump back into regular off-season mode, kind of go back to our regular schedule. I know I said it last week, but this is the last week that us here can well, be together now. now. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Who knows what's going through Andy Herman's mind these days? We don't know. The man,
2: He's like he's a, uh, he's a man mystery. He's like, he's like the Aaron Rodgers of Packard. He's a mystery.
5: <laughs> we don't know.
3: <laughs> an, an enigma wrapped up in a, in a quandary is Andy Harmon, Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll gonna jump back into the, uh, into the the regular kind of schedule here as uh, the Packers move into the off season. I mean, Jesus, we're, I, I can't even believe, but we're, we're almost to the halfway point of May almost. And we're this close away from OTAs and, and mini camps starting here soon. I, it's, it's it's hard to imagine that we're we're getting this close to to having actual football again just a few months away. So make sure you're checking out uh, the show the rest of uh, the rest of the off season. Follow us on Twitter at Day Podcast. Make sure that you're checking out Andy on uh, on the YouTube channel as well. He does uh, those daily videos on uh, on youtube just completely by himself because he's a madman and and loves this kind of stuff and he puts all this content out there for you guys so we hope you enjoy it hope you enjoy listening to us here on the back of day podcast um paul mark do you want to let people know uh where they can find you out on the uh on the socials and anywhere else and anything that you want to promote
4: yeah you can find me on twitter at paul underscore brettel that's b-r-e-t-l uh, Dairyland Express, I've been going through or just starting to go through each of the draft picks, taking a closer look, what the draft analysts have to say about them. And then at Said TV on Friday, I took a look at the idea of will Jair Alexander see more slot snaps in the Joe Barry defense? Very
2: good. Mark? You can find me on Twitter, Mark Eckel, E C K E L 0 8. On Packet Report, I have two stories up this past week. One was um, I had a, a long time. Um, NFL executive and personnel break down um, each of the Packers' picks and how they would fit the Packers. And let me just say, he thinks a lot more than of the players than some of the media did. I mean, I, I again, I, I'm seeing people like. First of all, you can never grade a draft. Cause that's just that's just stupid. Um, <laughs> but. I'm seeing like C and C plus. I know. Right. They, Cause they, first of all, they don't realize how good Eric Stokes is. That's number one. But that, I don't want to go on that. But anyway, he loves Stokes. He loved Rogers. Um, he, no, it, so that he has a bunch of good, good stuff. Packer fans can read that and be, be happy about it. And then I, 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 I talked to um, Carlo Kemp, the linebacker, or they're going to make him a linebacker from Michigan. Um, I know you guys don't like Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin here, but uh, but the Packers seem to like Michigan because they got yeah, the a guy every they day. Do. <laughs> uh Pretty interesting story. Pretty real interesting guy. He was a two-time captain at Michigan, two-year captain. Which in Michigan's 141-year history, they've only had ten ten players that were captains for two years, and he's one of them. So he's pretty. Players like him. He's a and he's one of his best friends is Rashawn Gary. So that, he's pretty excited to be joining him again, and they're actually they're actually going to ask him to do the same thing that they asked Gary to do. He, you know, he played with his hand on the ground at at Michigan, but they're going to make him a stand up linebacker. He has to lose about twelve to fifteen pounds. He said, but he said it shouldn't be a problem. And um, this a real interesting guy. It was, was a pretty good story. His his uncle um, is Chuck Pagano. Oh really? And wow. It was funny. I, I I didn't use this. It didn't fit in the story, so but I'll just I'll I'll tell you guys. So I said to myself, oh, it's a good thing Chuck retired because you, you would have had to beat him twice a year. You know, if, if, like the Bears are like, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that, to Uncle Chuck. <laughs> so yeah, good good kid. I I I thought it turned out to be a pretty good story. That's up there now. Next week, I have no idea what I'm going to do yet. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, the schedule is Wednesday, right?
3: Yeah, he'll maybe, Mark, maybe just take a uh, take a break, go hang out on your beach for a little bit, and I mean, five
4: days. Yeah, that's gonna that's right. gonna happen regardless, Dan.
3: Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, that, that's
2: true. It yeah, to, It only takes an hour to write a story. I, got, right. I still got like eight hours, eight more hours out on the beach. I mean, I'm thinking about bringing my laptop to the beach, I, I don't have to even break; I can just write from the beach. I've interviewed I've interviewed guys on the beach. <laughs>
3: I just come on, Mark. You, we already, you're, we're already down and out about living in the Northwest. You brought
5: in it up. I
3: know I did. <laughs> you're right. I guess I just, I'm trying to live vicariously through Mark's life at this point now. <laughs> um You can find me on Twitter at DK all the way. Um just stuff over there. Not, uh, yeah, not doing too much now outside of uh, outside of our Pack a Day podcast episodes. I'll be back to our regular uh, every other Tuesday schedule. I'll be with Janelle Mackey and Eli Berkovitz now, a new uh, addition to our our trio um, on Tuesdays. And our, our first episode will come out uh, come out this coming Tuesday. So make sure you check us out here. Uh, all three of us uh, doing more stuff with the Pack a Day podcast. Like I said, follow us uh, the rest of the off season. Get ready for the regular season here coming up in just a few months. Um, But until we talk again, everybody, stay safe and go back up.